In 30 years of student ministry, what we're going to talk about today is the number one thing worth fighting for. In all my years of experience, this is one piece of advice that I will give you that will help you understand what I believe is the number one thing you need to fight for in your work with students. I'm Jeff Eckert. I'm Jason Brewer. And this is The Thought Factory. The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, cultivating students through biblical discipleship and spiritual disciplines using theology, community, and technology. Learn more at neverthesame.org. This is our last episode of season nine and in the year 2020. That is an amazing feat that we made it through the year 2020. We did. Oh my goodness. Well, let me say this. Season 10, our first episode that comes out after Christmas. You guys, this this is going to be a crazy one because I'm going to make some predictions about youth ministry for the year 2030. And to just give you some background, I'm going to... I'm going to walk you through an exercise I did 10 years ago in 2010. I took a look back to the year 2000, what youth ministry was like there. And then also in that same year of 2010, I took a look forward. And you're going to hear my predictions that I made in 2010 for the year 2020. And because of the accuracy of those predictions, you're going to want to hear what we have to talk about when we predict the year 2030 for youth ministry. Yeah, you were moving offices and you found this piece of paper that's 10 years old. Yeah. And you shared that with us in the office. And yeah, there is some staggering predictions where you're going, now that we're in 2020, what does it look like? Some of those things are pretty accurate. And I I don't want to accuse you of writing things down before you brought it out of your office. But <laughs> I trust you that you made these predictions 10 years ago. And the state of youth ministry now, what you saw 10 years ago. So it will be interesting what we are predicting for youth ministry in the year 2030. Yeah, it's crazy. It was a seminar I did in 2010. I totally forgot about it. And I found this page randomly as I was moving offices. So uh, we're going to talk about that. So Jason, man, we've had um, a great season. The last few episodes uh, have been some of my favorite because... We've just been talking about practical local church youth ministry stuff, like in the trench stuff. And we're going to continue to do that in our last episode of the season today. We are not just talking about concepts of youth ministry or what the latest fad is, or we sometimes hit on different topics, but I agree. What we talked about in this last five weeks, and including today, what we are talking about really is practical for ministry for those who are leading ministries even if you find yourself unpaid you're not vocationally in youth ministry but you are investing in the lives of students you could listen to these episodes and you could get some sort of truth and practicality out of them so i would encourage you to go back to any of the last four episodes to hit on these truths to hit on these concepts to pull them into your ministry and and share them with other leadership because it is very practical. You can walk away feeling like you're making some sort of progress in the right direction. Oh, uh, let's just say personally to our listeners, Jason, how much we appreciate you and your journey with us on this podcast. 
We've been we started this in uh, 2016, I believe. You are correct. In October of 2016, and here we are in season end of season nine, and we we've uh, we've been all in ministry here this year. Have been through a lot together. It's been the wildest year. I just can't imagine a year being crazier now. Never say never, but man, like what a year that we've all been through. And we're grateful that you're listening, that you're joining us here. We hope you're encouraged. I will just say that if some of you are feeling down or discouraged, some of you, I know people in ministry lost different jobs. They lost opportunities. Things transitioned. Um, you know, maybe you haven't been regularly with your students or at all in months, and that can be that can just take a toll mentally and emotionally and spiritually. And and I will I will say to everyone listening, I mean, it's been that way for me too. It's been a really bumpy few months for me, but I know that God is working in this somehow, and my trust is in a higher place. And I just. Jason, I just want to encourage you right now, wherever you might be, to, you know, Psalm 121, I look I look to the heavens. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. I agree. The ministry, just in general, can be tough. And we want you to know that we are walking with you, even though this is just simply, you know, audio coming to you on your device, wherever you're listening regardless of whether you're in America or in some other country, we know that you have chosen to listen to us and we are so passionate about youth ministry and the church and want the students to know who Christ is because we believe that it can not only change their life, but it can change the culture that they are living in. And we just simply want to provide this for a resource and to say thank you for doing what you're doing in the trenches because we can we can sometimes lose perspective and we may not be working with students on a daily basis or a weekly basis but you are and you may feel that constraint or the year 2020 just really just kicked the snot out of you and you're just questioning whether you want to continue in 2021 and we are we're in the fight with you and we are encouraging you on if you just have never felt a greater moment of discouragement, I just felt prompted to to know that we care about you, that we maybe even have never met you. But if you're in this fight with us for, for the, the souls of young people and students, that we're all in it with you. And we've felt the pain and the discouragement as well. But we know that with God, there's always ways that he's working for a better day ahead and so hang in there and we hope that you continue to stay strong in sensing um, your role in the life of young people it's super important don't give up over the years i've had a lot of friends and been a part of a lot of projects of of digging wells for clean water around the world for people that that don't have access to clean water and, and those are amazing things and it's so important for us to be involved in projects like that but here's one of the things i learned that really surprised me about a lot of these places with that had dug uh, wells with clean water is that 
they'd been a part of this and the people were, locals were involved. And then once they left, people would go back to the old and dirty wells with the dirty water. And I was always fascinated as to why that would happen. Why would they, knowing that this water is better for their health and all, you know, their, their um, living, why would they go back to their old wells? And here's why. Habit. A lot of the reasons, it was just what they were used to doing. Now, there's this phrase, knowledge is power, and there's truth in that. But I think what's even better to think about is knowledge plus habit is transformation. It's life change. It's something that will change the way that we live. And what I want to talk to you about today is the number one thing that's worth fighting for in your ministry. Uh, I would say a really good beach volleyball pit got to fight for that i've fought for that i've won and lost that battle jason it's not uh, worth it trust okay. me so a skate park would you fight for that fought for that too won and lost uh, not worth it ice cream truck Ooh, didn't think of that but are you willing to fight for it come depends on my on, side depends on the day what side are you on i'm talking about a sunday <laughs> oh nice play on words there or did here, I? Here we go. Here we go. <laughs> yeah, the number one thing worth fighting for, we're going to get into it, but uh, it's it's old school, nitty gritty youth ministry stuff. And it's about, it's centered around habit. That's right. And we're talking about culture here, how to build a winning culture. The culture that you create will impact lives more than the things that you say or do culture matters and if you want to build a winning culture then be aware of this environment that you've created by the beliefs and the behaviors of a community and as you know culture can happen by accident but I almost guarantee that the culture that will happen if it's just left to its own will not be one that you and I would choose in our ministries so it's up to us to fight for the culture that we want to build and create and here's what I think is the number one thing worth fighting for in your ministry is the knowledge of the Bible and the habit of engaging it. Let's talk about that. The knowledge of the Bible and the habit of engaging it. That's, Jason, far and above. There, there, to me, there's no, there's no second that even I would even consider more than that one. Is students knowing the Bible and then building within them a habit of engaging it. And, and I spent the first half of my ministry without that really number one thing that I was fixated on, and then the last half in local youth ministry really fixated on that. And it was really a difference. But in our world today, Jason, the, the knowledge and understanding of God's Word has led us down so many dark paths with students in our ministries. They don't know the Word. I would also say that when you don't know the word, you start to base your leadership or maybe some of the messages that you you say based on opinion. And it may be pseudo related to the Bible or you may not have a direct correlation. It may be like, well, the concept is there, but sometimes we lead out of opinion and we have an opinion about something. So then we're going to say that to our students or our leaders and is it is it directly related to the knowledge of the Bible? And we were talking earlier off 
Mike in the office today about things that are becoming more and more controversial. Biblical truth, traditional biblical values are becoming more and more foreign to our culture and to this generation. And I'm going to just get into some controversy here, sexuality. So sexuality, you know, over the years, like for us, you know, I did an evaluation. We were talking through this of, of the year in the year 2010, I did a seminar for youth pastors and I said, let's look back 10 years to the year 2000, what youth ministry and culture was like then. And let's look ahead to 2020. And, so the first episode of season ten, uh, in 2021, we're going to talk about those predictions and we're gonna look at what you predicted in the year 2010 for 2020. Yes, and it's amazing uh, when I look back. I'd forgotten I done I did this, but uh, and then we're we're going to look ahead in that episode to the year 2030. But in that, I made an observation that youth ministry in the year 2000 that homosexuality. Was a, was a fringe issue to most students. It really wasn't in the mix. It was very, very obscure in terms of talking about it, in terms of um, you know dealing with students that maybe were tempted or, or believed you know non-traditional views of that. And one of the things that's contributed to this this change in our culture within the church is is a lack of biblical understanding. It truly is. We don't talk about it. We're afraid, and Jason, you know, I'll say it really clearly right now that for me personally and for Never the Same as an organization, we believe in the traditional biblical definition of marriage and sexuality when it comes to there being a binary nature to creation. We see that in in Genesis, light and dark, um, male and female. And, and for a traditional view of marriage, one man, one woman, in a monogamous relationship for life. And so I'll, I'll, I'll just choose that one particular issue and say the lack of where we have massively failed within youth ministry and within the church in general, I'm speaking of North America, particularly America, is we have not helped our people build habits of knowing and reading the Bible. And then when we have an opinion on this topic specifically, we may lead in that opinion. We may not fully base it off of the Bible and we may disagree. And then we lead that way and we don't have a a strong stance. And that can be confusing. And, you know, and and what's even more confusing, and for some of you out there, they're going, hey, Jeff, I agree with you on your view of, you know, what the Bible has to say. And what's the traditional view of marriage and sexuality? But boy, there's some people out there making some great arguments and using the Bible. And here's what I would say specifically about this one issue. And there, there's a book I read in seminary years ago. It's called Women, Slaves, and Homosexuality. And it's these three controversial views of Scripture throughout the years. And here's what they would say on that: that when it comes to to women in in their role in society and in leadership and in the church and slavery, that you can find both sides of the argument. You can find a, what I would call like a, an argument about women that they should submit and not be heard and all, you know, all that. And then, then you can hear an argument in Scripture that says, no, they're equal and they should be heard. And I'm on, the, I'm on that side. I believe the Bible is clear about that. 
slavery the same thing you can you can find both arguments for and against but any any version of sexuality you're not going to find a positive argument in scripture no matter how you you can say well when Deuteronomy you know and Leviticus when they talk about you know some of those issues those are that's old law that's old covenant whatever and then the New Testament you know Paul makes some statements and even Jesus is clear about marriage between a man and a woman and they go well you know that it was in the context of culture and blah 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 but you can't find an affirming passage saying we affirm this other view of sexuality that's not that's not denounced in scripture i mean it it says this is prohibited this is wrong and so i know this that's not what this episode is about but this is a very clear example of where we've gone down the slippery slope of we haven't known scripture and so we're afraid to throw out our opinion and or like you said jason we've led with our opinion and what we need to be doing is saying we're not standing on our opinion we're standing on a good really stable and um definable view within scripture that that's that's clear and that it's um that's well researched and and understood from scripture and when we don't know the the Bible when we aren't researching when we aren't engaging in it and we tend to dismiss what we don't know and say back to your point of we could claim that the Old Testament is old covenants we shouldn't abide by it and all that stuff but if you don't understand some of the reasons why it's even in there and it should prolong even to today um, and you just completely dismiss it you're missing out and and it's just fitting your own opinion, your what's culturally right right now, so that you don't anger a lot of people. And and yet, yes, the Bible is a living document or a living book, and and everything, and it changes the hearts of man and women today. But there are things that you can't dismiss when it's the heart of God and the commands of God, regardless of time period. Why is that so important? I can tell you in my years of youth ministry, the the overwhelming number one thing that changed the culture and the environment and the trajectory of the local church youth ministry that I led and was a part of was increasing and fighting for this cultural trait of a knowledge and a habit of engaging the Bible. And I will tell you, there's, there's no close second to that. When our students, when we created an environment and built and fought for a culture where the Bible was important, it was front and center, not just in how we taught it, but in daily engagement. When we built the systems to do that, it transformed our ministry and our culture and the lives of students and impacted families. We reached more students. We grew numerically. All the good things that you would want, it all happened when we fought for that one simple thing. So let's talk about the knowledge of the Bible for a minute. I want to encourage you to switch from what I would call a student-centric approach to teaching the Bible to a Christocentric. Now, these are big fancy terms here. Let's just break it down and be simple. Student-centric approach to teaching the Bible is an approach where you talk about the Bible and you talk to students more about, hey, this is who you are, and this is um, what this means for you. Now, those things are important, but if we center our teaching around that, I think we're missing something so much better, and that is being a Christocentric. In other words, Christ 
centered approach to the Bible. And here's what I found is so key to ministries that understand this, is that they create a culture and environment where we're teaching the Bible and we're talking about who God is first. Because God, first and foremost, He is the I am. He is the unchangeable. Scripture says He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I wanna encourage you to, to think about how you approach teaching the Bible. I think a lot of youth ministries, whether they admit it or not, are student-centric. I think there's a lot of topics that we approach because it's relevant to the student. And we, we say, well, they're dealing with this and we're dealing with that and we want to talk about this and we want them to understand this about them. And, and it's a lot of student-focused, driven, instead of going, this is who Christ is and we need to know Christ more. And this is how knowing Christ can change your life. That, that, was a, that was a real strategic change that I made halfway through my local youth ministry years. And, I, and, and at first, it wasn't a... When I first started off, I just thought, okay, I want students to know who they are in Christ. I want them to want to teach this in a way that's relevant to them. And what I, what I lost in that, what I, what I didn't understand was that my approach to them um, really was backwards. So, in other words, like, of course I want them to know who they are and they're loved by God, but you got to start with God. So I, I thought about that, like, without even consciously trying to do it, where I started my messages was, well, where are students at? And then I'll get them to God, rather than starting with God and then taking that to the students. And there's a, there's a subtle but very, very, very distinct difference between those two things. And... So I encourage you listening, if you're in any teaching role, is to start with God. Talk about God more than you talk about anything else. Because if you're up there and all you're talking about is, well, students, I know you're going through this. And, you're, and, I, and again, do you ignore that? No, absolutely. You want to talk about where students are at. But you want them to have it all in the framework of God. Because God is the foundation. He's never changing. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His word doesn't change. And so when I made that switch, it really, uh, I could feel the difference. And that's the philosophy that we bring into NTS camp with the teaching is we want the teaching to be God-centric first before anything else. Because I think there's power in saying first and foremost, primarily, this is who God is. And now we're going to talk about who you are as a student. I think that approach is so key. And then I want to challenge you to think about teaching the Bible not really as a self-help book, but more as this amazing and inspiring autobiography of God. I think where sometimes we fall really short is we bring the Bible through a matrix and a perspective that it wasn't meant to be presented in. And I think the Bible first and foremost, is this wonderful autobiography from God, inspired by the Holy Spirit, given to, to the world, that we can understand who He is. And I think when we, it, it'd, be like, it'd be like reading an autobiography to someone and saying, all right, here's three things that you can do as a result of being inspired. Now, there may be things that we can do that way, and I'm not saying we should never have three points or whatever. What I am saying is this, if we understand the Bible as an autobiography and we teach it and present it that way, it will change students' perspective on how powerful the Bible 
really is. Jason, I remember being, I was, uh, took a lot of business classes in high school. I was in this business track. We had like a career center. And so we had to read a business book. And I don't know how I ended up getting with this book, but I, the first autobiography I read was Lee Iacocca's book, his journey into um, the auto you know, world from Ford and then into leading Chrysler. And um, that book changed me because it gave me like an inside perspective on this man. He's a controversial figure in some ways, but a great leader. The movie that just came out, Ford versus Ferrari, he played a, a big role, Lee Iacocca did in that. And that whole um, drama, that whole episode of of um, of Ford, which is an amazing movie, by the way. Have you seen it? No, I have not. Oh man, it's so good. But so I read this, you know, book about Iacocca. Sounds like it. Sounds like it's oh, good. it's it's so good. Um, and that's the difference, I think. Like if I would have read Lee Iacocca's autobiography and go, here's what I got about. Here's three, you know, cut and dry points. Number one, Lee Iacocca, blah blah blah. And Lee, I, you know, like. You can't just squeeze an autobiography into three simple points. And I'm not saying we should never make three points in our sermons or talks or whatever. But when it's self-help, it's like, okay, this is how the Bible can make you a better person. Again, I think we're totally missing the essence of what Scripture is when we teach it as a self-help book. We start to look at God as a transactional God, or it's formulaic, where you go, all right, these are the three things that you need to do in order to get this outcome. And if you want to get this outcome, you need to approach God with this way, or you live your life this way. And and so then you, you only see him as a transaction, where it is, I do this on my part, and you must do this, because we're in this relationship and that will get me to this outcome. And that outcome, if it doesn't happen because you've done your part, you're going to be very disappointed with not your, your input, but with the lack of God's input in in that formula. And so, because that outcome is not what you expect. And, and that's a, that's a very dangerous mindset or perception of God that we can have. And I think there's a lot of that going on in ministry or in the the Christian world where we we are hoping to get a certain thing out of God by just simply having a relationship with him instead of just simply having a relationship with him and the byproduct is is having a life that he promises and the blessings that come come with it but we want we want those blessings first so we were like all right then that must mean I I must have a better relationship with God or something yeah and this this really is such a powerful shift that we can bring to our students that we can stand up in, in front of them and say, this is God. This is God and how he interacts with his people rather than stand up and saying, here's three ways you can be a better student on your campus. Like, And there's nothing wrong with that. But how much better is it to say, this is the living God. He interacts with his people. And I will tell you that I've never heard of this, and I tried it a few weeks ago. I'm teaching pastor at a local church here in Grand Rapids Daybreak Church, and I stood up and preached out of the book of Lamentations. I've never heard anyone speak out of that book before. But that book um, is a lament. It's a sorrow. It's... It's a downer. I mean, you read it, and there's only one bright spot in the whole book, and it ends on a really down note, and it's during this really dark period. 
Seems fitting for 2020. It does. That's why I brought it out. And it's weird how I've found such um, strength and solace in this book recently, in the last few weeks even. But I say that because you can you can speak out of any part of Scripture, uh, and it's easy to stand up and say, this is God. This is God in Lamentations. This is God in the Psalms. This is God in the Gospels. This is God in the teachings of Paul. Uh, this is God in the history of Israel. This is God in the, you know, the 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 books of the law, the first five books. Like when you stand up there, man, you can talk forever about the goodness and the glory and the majesty and the mystery of God. And I don't want us to miss this idea that we're not preaching self help. We're preaching the autobiography of the living God who inspired people over a period of you know almost twelve hundred years that we have in the in the canon of scripture and so that that you know fighting for that is huge um and how we approach what we're saying and how we're saying it i even think the when we approach god as a complex being where we are trying to understand who he is his heart his character the love that he has for us and we we are looking at it as a whole looking at the his word as a whole and what he has said to us, we then approach topics like what we mentioned earlier, homosexuality or sexuality in general. We avoid the sniping of scriptures and saying, well, God said this or God meant this or God doesn't really mean that. And we start to snipe certain things to fit our agenda or fit our opinion or fit what we think uh, allows us to justify our sin. And instead, when we are in the presence of God and we understand him fully, those things start to fade away and we start to see more clearly our sin and what we are are being drawn to to live out because we are children of God. Here's the truth for you. If you prioritize what matters most, you better do that or it will be lost to what matters least. We want to prioritize the things that matter most. You know, there's that old illustration you may have seen where you have a jar and you put big rocks in it and then you pour rice or sand in it. It's interesting, if you put the sand in there first, you can't fit those rocks, the big rocks in there. But if you put the big rocks in first, then the other stuff will fit in there. It's a matter of priorities. What are your big rocks? I just want to highly encourage you that one of your big rocks, in fact, I think for me as the big rock, is the knowledge of the Bible and the engagement in it. What are you doing to create an environment where your ministry where students are engaging the Bible because nothing in my experience will transform the culture of your ministry more than daily Bible engagement by the students. And therefore, because of that, there's nothing that's more worth fighting for than Bible engagement. Now, as you know, in our ministry, Never the Same, we offer a resource, Soul Exercises, the only thing of its kind that is an all-encompassing system to help ministries that use it all over the country to be able to engage your students. Maybe it's that, maybe it's something else, but let me encourage you, it's the number one thing. It's the most important thing worth fighting for, the knowledge of the Bible and the habit of engaging it. The, the biggest battle that we're in right now with students and in culture in general, and I believe in the church, is the battle over our view of the Bible. In the last few years, 
we've we've gone down this road where we've said is the bible really inerrant is it factual is it mythological and someone recently on a on a facebook post that i put out said yeah you know they equated the bible to a comic book and i know a lot of people think that and jason we were talking about this earlier like right now as we record this we do not know the outcome of the election and we may not know for a while and and the crisis that we're in is what i call a crisis of truth in our culture here in america where Two people can sit down and watch the exact same news story that is slanted on its own and come with two different conclusions, right? So a person on one side of the political aisle could watch a story and the person on a different side of the political aisle and they could have they it's going to reinforce their views. And so therefore, where our culture is going very quickly right now, and I believe this is as I project out the next ten years, this is where it's gonna impact us. Um right where we live in youth ministry and in in ministry world is no one's going to know what truth is they already they already everyone's already skeptical of any news source now and uh, i was ahead of my time because 15 years ago i was skeptical of all of them and turned out to be true um and so here we are where pretty much the majority of people now are skeptical and that's going to bleed its way into the church and into faith and into students where they're going to go, eh, I do, we really don't know. We're not going to know. So when the Bible says this, how do we even know the Bible's true and real? And this is the battle that we have to engage in right now. We can easily say, well, I don't know what's true. We, we look at something and be like, I just don't know what to believe. It's, it's very easy to do that right now, regardless of what side you land on, whether you listen to a certain news report and you you see the bent or you don't and you believe it 100% or it your side is projecting it versus the other side we are still sitting here going I don't know what to believe and and I also think the intention of discrediting truth is also a, an attack on the church and on the bible because if you can get somebody to question any truth then then you you kind of win because then you can't use your your ultimate truth, the Bible, against me and saying, "Well, this is what God wants. This is what is true. This is," and you can discredit the Bible because you discredit anything that you believe is true. And go back to the very beginning, Jason, in Genesis three, the first conversation, you know, between the enemy of our soul, Satan, and mankind. His words were, "Did God really say that?" You know, is that really true? Did God really say that? Is that what he really meant? Or, you know, was it something else? And he's questioning the agenda of God because he's questioning, does he really does he really not want you to rule yeah. and become God? He's scared. Yeah. So it's causing us to question the agenda of God that he's not on your side. He just wants to keep you oppressed. So, brothers and sisters, listen to this. I I cannot say this strongly enough. You need to engage in this area of your ministry. You've got to get your students engaged in Scripture. It's it's paramount. It's it's the number one thing you should you should be on your mind during this time of the great pauses. How do I get my students engaged and you know, as we come out of this, we've been talking about very, very practical things. And the most practical thing I can offer to you 
coming out of this particular episode is soul exercises. We've mentioned a couple times. It's something that we offer. This isn't a sales pitch to you. This is we're we're talking about a resource that there is absolutely nothing else like it out there, and it gets students in the Word. It takes your students through the whole Bible. Um, it's adaptable. It's flexible. There's so many amazing things about soul exercises, and right now we are seeing the surge in ministries that are adapting the the ideas and the concepts of soul exercises because they're realizing there's nothing else out there that's engaging my students in the word that's also connecting our ministry and programming and our planning into that as well it just ties it all together one thing i wanted to mention in regards to soul exercises and regards to culture is you may be inspired to try this you may want to incorporate this into your ministry and say i am i'm all for bible engagement i want to get my students in the word i want to try soul exercises and you go to soulexercises.com and you pick out a plan and then you try to incorporate it into your ministry and you try it for six weeks and you go, my students just aren't, aren't buying it. They're not into it. It goes back to what we've been discussing throughout this series is creating a culture and having an unshakable conviction in regards to something. And we hope that this is one of those things that is unshakable in your ministry that I want to see students engaged and know the word of God to be transformative in their lives. And it means changing the culture instead of just trying for six weeks and saying, well, we gave it a shot. They're not really into it. I'm going to go back to what I'm used to. And that is going into the, the drilling of the wells for clean water. And it is, is about creating a habit. We could try this. You you could sit here and know this is the true thing. This is the right thing to do for your ministry. But out of habit, you go back to just playing some games and hitting some topics that the students might like and having a good time, but it's not transforming the lives of students. We're talking about this in very, very strong terms here because we just believe in this resource so much. And it's something that you can even pick up and adapt for your ministry that could cost you zero dollars out of your budget. And if you go to the website, you can learn how all that works. It's soulexercises.com. You can see, uh, you can look inside the guides and see what they look like, what the experience is like. You can get a free consultation. If you go on the website, you can get a free sample. As you're listening to this, we're going into, if you're listening to it as this is released, we're going into a new year, 2021. And January might be a great, moment in your ministry or a season where you can adopt a value we've been talking about you know the convictions jason you mentioned that in the last few weeks unshakable conviction and i just want to encourage you if you have an unshakable conviction about scripture don't let it be shaken don't let anything stop you from students having a knowledge of scripture and a habit of reading it it's i think it's the most important thing worth fighting for and we've been giving you a practical step after each one of these episodes and my practical step for you is go to soulexercises.com and look around and look at what that has to offer in terms of getting your students in the word fight for that nothing matters more and implement it long enough that creates a culture where the students want to be in the word 
The Thought Factory podcast is brought to you by Never the Same, whose vision is to see new generations transformed in Christ to further the kingdom of God. Learn more at neverthesame.org. Hey, stick around for a few minutes for a little bonus to this episode. You're going to want to hear this. Now, as, as I've seen the broad landscape of youth ministry around the world, but specifically around um, the United States where we live, there's one person that I feel like has a pulse on where the trends are at when it comes to students. You know, we our ministry, we interact with, um, with Zondervan in the publishing world and with some other Bible publishers with the Center for Bible Engagement. We know the leadership uh, of that organization. We connect with the American Bible Society. There's a lot of different avenues and conversations and people that we're connected to. But here's what we're finding is that this person today, who happens to be on our staff, really has a pulse more than anyone I know in the landscape of youth ministry about students in the Bible. And it's something that she is passionate about. She's the director for Bible engagement here at Never the Same. And uh, her name is Lindsay Gorvette. Lindsay, it's good to have you here. Thanks for your passion. Just open us up by talking about, I mean, you've you've been in youth ministry in local church. You're still involved in local church, even with your role here. So you're involved on a week-to-week basis with students as well. But why do you think the Bible, I mean, people listening to this, youth workers I'm thinking of specifically, why is it important for them to be thinking about the Bible in terms of their ministry and and where the Bible's positioned in their ministry. Why is that important? I think it's the most important thing that youth ministries can be thinking about, and I think it's the only thing that youth ministries should have at the center of what they're doing with students. I mean, Jesus said, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Abide in me and I'll abide in you. And so the number one way that we can grow as Christians is to be centered in the Bible and obviously spiritual disciplines. The way we get to know who Jesus is is through his word and if we're not connected to it and we're not emphasizing it with our students, what kind of, I mean, this might sound a little harsh, but what kind of Christianity are we giving them if it's void of the very book that was written for us to learn how to be like Jesus? So um, I I think that's why it's important because <laughs> I think it's the most important thing that God gave us is the inspired word that was written for us to learn how to walk and be like Jesus. When you say make it the center What's that? How do you define that? What's that mean to you? What's that look like practically? Just putting the effort into helping students learn how to understand what it is, learn how to make it a a part of their life. Obviously, you know, your hour and a half on Sunday nights or Wednesday nights doesn't need to just be opening the Bible and reading it together. Um, But pouring time and energy and investment into it and not just making it a throwaway at the end of the night, like, oh, by the way, read your Bible this week. And I've been guilty of that as a youth pastor and even as a small group leader because it's kind of scary and daunting to make it the the focus but i think it's the most important thing that we should be doing as youth leaders so you're saying there's more of a a difference between saying hey 